If you enjoyed this podcast, please subscribe, like, and share so we can find others like yourself. I don't think the weakness is with Bitcoin, the technology. Uh, the weakness is an ed- educational. Uh, the biggest weakness Bitcoin has education. I wrote an article. The second post I've ever done in my life, second or third, was back in 2014. And I titled it the question, uh, what's the biggest threat for Bitcoin? And I, in 2014, I said misinformation. Uh, that's the biggest threat. That's always been the biggest threat. This was before, you know, Bcash and fake Bitcoins and all this stuff and the scaling wars. It was always misinformation. Welcome to the Bitcoin Basics podcast with your hosts, Faris and Gordon from CoinCompass.com, enabling you to safely buy and securely store your Bitcoins. All resources are in the show notes and description, including our disclaimer. Visit BitcoinBasicsPodcast.com to subscribe and discover other free content. For anyone listening, this episode is visually intensive. So visit our YouTube channel, CoinCompass.com slash YouTube to follow along. We use TradingView for all our charts and you can sign up for a free account at CoinCompass.com slash TradingView. Hello and welcome to another Bitcoin Basics podcast with your host, me, Gordon, and I have Faris with me as well. Before we get started today, we are doing our proof of recording. The current Bitcoin price is 18,328 US dollars and the current block height or block number of the Bitcoin blockchain is 660,644, which equates to December the 9th. If you have no idea what I'm talking about, I will link the Clark Moody dashboard in the show notes. So Faris, today we have a very special guest on. Can you tell us about him? Yes, this was a real treat for both of us. We had Tone Vase on today and um, anyone who knows anything about Bitcoin would know about Tone Vase. Um, he was the first person that I started following uh, to learn more about um, Bitcoin after you told me about it, Gordon. And I really like Tone's background because he comes from a financial background. He was vice president for JP Morgan. So he understands the markets and Bitcoin. So a lot of people in the Bitcoin space get it from the blockchain side. I really like Tone's Tone's background because he's coming from an economic and finance side as well. So I get to pick his brain about um, inflation and markets like the US dollar, how it's correlated to Bitcoin. If we get inflationary pressures in the US and globally, how would that affect Bitcoin? So Tone's a fascinating person to uh, to get to talk to. Absolutely, Faris. And for those listening to this on our podcast, you want to head across to our YouTube channel, coincompass.com slash YouTube, because we do actually display some charts and some graphs. So you're going to get that experience as well. And people who are listening to Tone would probably already own Bitcoin and know how to use it. Um, but I'm sure like myself and Gordon, you've got family members, friends, relatives who keep coming up to you and saying, can you tell me about Bitcoin? Should I buy some? And it can take up an hour of your conversation every single time. Um, to save yourself those several conversations, send them to BitcoinBasicsPodcast.com. And that's what we're here to do. We're here to explain Bitcoin simply, not just what it is, but how to buy it and how to keep your private keys safe. Absolutely. And you'll find our links to all our social media and podcast platforms there to subscribe and share with your friends. So without further ado, here's the interview. You right to go, Tone? Yep. Alrighty. Okay, we've got uh, Tone Vase with us and I've got Faris, my 
uh, usual suspect as well. But Tone, before we get started into it, and Ferris is itching to share some charts and graphs, who is Tone Vase? On your website, it says, and I quote, content creator, derivative trader, and consultant. Do you want to fill us in on who is Tone Vase? Sure. Uh, thank you for having me on, guys. Gordon Ferris, uh, good seeing you. Uh, I started out in the traditional Wall Street uh, world. I was there for about 10 years. I started uh, a few years before the financial crisis, so experienced that. Uh, discovered Bitcoin around 2013, found it to be interesting. Uh, by 2015, I was ready to quit my job and be a trader on my own uh, while still having an interest in Bitcoin. I started writing articles, speaking at events, led to interviews like the one we're doing right now, uh, eventually led to my own YouTube channel. And uh, the reason for my, me quitting my Wall Street job to be an independent trader was to enjoy the world, start traveling, just not having a boss. And while trading was able to certainly pay the bills, I found that it's even more satisfying traveling the world and educating about Bitcoin. Uh, and since no one pays me to do that, the beauty of decentralization of Bitcoin itself, I kind of finance my lifestyle of Bitcoin education uh, through education on uh, trading. So I have workshops, webinars, uh, run my YouTube channel, uh, mostly to educate about responsible trading and best trading practices, but everyone just wants to know where the price of Bitcoin is going. Uh, so that's uh, that's what I do uh, for income. And uh, what my passion is to educate about Bitcoin. As you guys can see, everything I do revolves around education, uh, which is what one of the things I studied in my university. I was a high school teacher for a year. I was a college uh, professor for about two years. Uh, before the whole Wall Street world. So education is uh, something I enjoy doing. Awesome. Thanks, Tony. Just before Faris gets into some technical questions, we actually met you in Chiang Mai, not to uh, dox anyone, although it's 2018. Okay, all right. Sorry. I may I may have my Satoshis off by a few zeros. I would be, um, I would be, I would be. I would be a very rich man if that was the case. <laughs> okay. Um, it was, by the way, that's not a complaint. It was worth every cent. And we actually um, had been watching Tone. And as he traveled around the world, we get his laptop view of the, the pyramids and all sort of interesting places. So it's kind of a, a trading slash channel show, which was absolutely awesome. And uh, that's, that's when we learned about the uh, Tone's indicator, or as other people call it, the random number generator, which we could perhaps go into the new version in a second, but um, Faris, how about you hit us off with uh, some more technical questions before I uh, go down memory lane? Yeah, no, I got a lot out of that course because I studied um, momentum and swing trading and um, tones indicator, um, which I've relabeled on TradingView's TVI, the tone vase indicator, has been really beneficial in um, picking those um, turning points in the markets. Um, we'll get up some charts in a while, Tone, but um, a while ago, I was interacting with you and you mentioned you were doing some research into inflation. And I'm just wondering, is that something you're still looking into? Uh, not that much. Um, inflation is very, very tricky. Everyone has their biases when it comes to inflation. Uh, yes, things are going up in price, but 
in the U.S., for example, uh, things aren't noticeably going up in price. Things aren't that much more expensive than they were. Uh, so the more influence the government has in that thing, uh, inflation rises, like education, healthcare. The more governments involved, the higher the inflation. The least governments involved, uh, the lower the inflation, like our technology. Uh, sure, we have cell phones now that cost two grand, the new foldable ones. Uh, but at the same time, you know, the cell phone that is as good as a cell phone from three or four years ago, even if it's brand new today, is going to be significantly cheaper. Uh, you just want the latest technology, so you're going to pay for it. So there are things that can keep your costs down. Uh, people complain about food costs as well. But um, if you, you know, shop carefully, uh, the cost of your food has not gone up crazy high. Uh, oil, gasoline, like the price of oil has been fluctuating about the same for a decade. Uh, so it's um, inflation is an interesting thing. Now, if you're in a foreign country, yeah. Uh, and it does have something to do with money printing. I'm curious where Canada's going because Canada printed way more than the U.S. relative to the size of their economy. So their inflation should probably be going through the roof soon. Because that was something that a lot of people worried about, like um, Stan Druckenmiller and several other traders and economists wrote an open letter to Ben Bernanke in 2009 saying this QOE stuff will lead to hyperinflation, I think they even were alluding to. But we haven't seen that. And my understanding is that the central bank provided these funds to commercial banks, but the public itself did not go ahead and borrow. I mean, the savings rate in countries in the US went up for the first time since World War II. So the money just sat there. So it didn't go into public inflation. Um, but the reason I'm bringing it up is. No, sorry, Tom. So, yeah, the reason I'm looking into inflation is one, we've never known Bitcoin in an inflationary environment. So we don't really know how will that trend because um, gold can be seen either as an inflation or a deflationary hedge. But yeah, I was just curious if we do see an inflation start to pick up at some stage. How do you think Bitcoin's going to respond to that? Sure. So there's a huge difference between inflation and hyperinflation. They're not like when you when you said inflation, I wasn't even thinking hyperinflation. Uh, hyperinflation is completely different. And the letter that these guys wrote to Ben Bernanke that his quantitative easing was going to cause hyperinflation is insane. Um, I don't understand how these guys were able to amass their fortunes if they think that a few trillion dollars printed by Bernanke, and he didn't even print that much. Uh, the trillions of dollars we printed in 2020 is going to cause hyperinflation. It's not. It may not cause any inflation, forget hyperinflation. However, for the first time in my financial career, uh, since I learned, like, look, I read about these gloom and doom hyperinflation stories, you know, back in 08 as well, and I bought into this stupidity. Uh, for the first time, I am actually concerned of hyperinflation. Uh, and not to mention, the only country where hyperinflation would matter is the US, because uh, all other countries, they can always stabilize their currency by flipping to the US dollar. So if Canada goes into hyperinflation, the people can just use the US dollar. Uh, as long as, the, I mean, the government will probably not let them, but the people could also say, screw the government and just use US dollars. And um, 
here's where I'm finally concerned about hyperinflation for the first time since I understood how hyperinflation works. And that, because hyperinflation is a political event. It is actually irrelevant how much money you print. The current election controversy is going to be the cause of the U.S. hyperinflation. Uh, what causes hyperinflation is the, is the loss of faith in the stability of your government that makes your currency. And that loss of faith is in two ways, globally and locally. Now, for some countries that do go into hyperinflation, like a Venezuela, like others, by that point, globally, these countries are irrelevant. So usually like Zimbabwe. So when the local people no longer respect the government, your country will go into hyperinflation because no one, the people don't want to use your currency and it becomes worthless. So U.S. has a global stage. And if this election controversy gets really bad, and I, in my opinion is the Democrats cheated and not even in one way, like they couldn't, they, they couldn't just cheat in one way and win. They had to cheat in five different ways and then combined, they, they barely won. And this can lead to some serious civil unrest. Uh, this could lead to dividing the country, which leads to loss of faith, not only by Americans, but by the world in the U.S. political system, which would lead to disrespect of the dollar. And there goes your hyperinflation. Uh, and, and, and even these guys that wrote that letter, they're going to go out on TV and they're going to scream how it was the money printing by Powell and the Treasury secretary that caused hyperinflation. No, it had nothing to do with that. You know, it was the loss of faith in your political system by Americans and the world that caused it, not trillions of printed dollars. So with that tone, because we're seeing two contradictions in the chart here, which I want your opinion on. One is we are seeing all-time highs in U.S. indices, S&P 500, NASDAQ, um, even a Russell 2000 is taking off. But we're seeing the DXY, the dollar breakdown. Um, on your the indicator that you use, um, we're looking at the dollar is coming up to a um, key turning point, which would be January next year. I'll just bring up the chart here. So this is a DXY and this is showing up. We're on uh, black seven. We broke through key support and we've got you got to upgrade to the latest version. The MRI. Uh, I do have it actually. I'll bring that one up. So what I'm wondering here is um, um, with the stock market breaking to all time highs, and I'm presuming you're still bullish on the stock market. I am. So I'm wondering with this, if say everything just stabilizes in the US politically, would we not be looking at more um, overseas money buying into US equities um, like Swiss National Bank has been doing? So if money's coming in from overseas, they need to buy dollars. Wouldn't this not lead to a uh, an appreciation in the US dollar versus other currencies? And we would see a, a nice bounce and reversal here on these on the US dollar. Well, again, I've been a big dollar bull, as you know, for a long time. And just like what I said with hyperinflation, this is the first time I'm having concerns about the US dollar. 
And that is because of the U.S. election fraud and the loss of confidence, because I have just lost so much respect and so much confidence in the U.S., uh, the country that my parents immigrated to from Russia, from Soviet Russia. But this election has basically election plus the COVID, but the COVID thing is global. Uh, the reaction to COVID uh, is global, but the way the election was done and the way the election is now uh, trying to be resolved, I'm losing all respect for America. And I, I don't want to live in a country I don't respect. And um, that's a problem. So that is going to cause people to be concerned about the US dollar. Now, the problem is, there's nowhere else to go that gives you more confidence in the stability of their currency, except one. And we both know which one that is. That's Bitcoin. So Bitcoin is going to be the biggest beneficiary of the U.S. election cluster of. I don't know if I can curse on this channel, uh, but uh, that's the problem. So the, uh, I think the reason why you see the stock market go to new all-time highs is because it's safety. Uh, a lot of investors and traders, uh, yes, you want high returns. Of course, you invest in things for high returns, but at the same time, you wanna invest in things with high returns that can't go to zero. And this is why when people keep asking me, how come I don't believe in any altcoins or shit coins as I like to call them, that's because on any given day, they can go to zero. And for me, it's more important that I speculate on assets that can't go to zero, uh, even if my chances of a high return are lower. Uh, and that's why I would never invest in any altcoin uh, because it can go to zero tomorrow. So my view is that people are buying into these tech stocks uh, because tech stocks, they're private assets. And a company like Amazon, if the US turn, goes into a civil war, over this election, Amazon can just move. They're a global company. They ship globally. They already have operations all over the world. They can move. Money in Amazon stock is potentially safer than money in the US dollar in the bank. Okay. Now, this is the viewpoint. So um, you're taking a safety risk. Now, when COVID hit and the markets crashed uh, because they shut down the economy, you don't know what's going to happen. And the safety of the U.S. dollar is higher than safety in the stock market. But then you have this election insanity. And now the government is broke because they shut down the economy. And investors realize, holy shit, you know, I left the, the speculative stock market because I thought the economy was going to shut down for the safety of the dollar, cash in the bank, maybe government bonds. Uh, but now... If the governments continue to not let people work and the governments are broke, it's not safe to be in any government asset. It's not safe to be in, in cash. It's not safe to be in government bonds because they have no tax revenue because they're not letting people work. So they're not getting any, they're not firing any government employees. They're all still getting paid. They're not letting people work. How are they going to pay their bills? So now they're going to print money. They're going to try to tax rich people. When you try to tax rich people, they move or they start to hide their assets. And again, uh, we all know what that favors. So you're watching the stock market go up 
Not because people think these companies are going to do great, even though Amazon's doing great and some of the other Zoom's doing great and some of the other you know tech stocks that mostly rely on the internet and don't need a single jurisdiction. But you're watching what happens when people lose confidence in government public assets and run to the private assets where they think their money is safer. Uh, if Amazon turns their stock into a currency, it uh, could be better than the U.S. dollar. If your bitcoins are on an exchange or mobile wallet, you could lose them in this bull run. Coincompass.com is running a free one-hour webinar where you can learn about cold storage, multi-sig, and best practices for securing your Bitcoin. Become a self-sovereign custodian of your investment by owning, not renting, your Bitcoins. To register and for more details, visit coincompass.com forward slash webinar. Bezos bucks. Now, when you're talking about hyperinflation, we're not talking about 10%, 20%. We're talking, give us some ballparks, but... What you sort of think? Sure. So my view on hyperinflation, I actually have a graphic as part of one of my presentations. So I personally define hyperinflation as a 50% re, uh, reduction of your currency's value in a 30 days time. So if your currency is half as valuable 30 days later, to me, that's hyperinflation. Uh, now, in Venezuela, that was happening every month. Uh, until it started happening almost every day, same thing with Zimbabwe. But Ukraine, Russia, when they had they had their problems in 2014, Turkey had their problems recently. I call those hyperinflation events. Um, now, there's also instances where your currency gets devalued by, say, 25% in a matter of days. To me, that's also hyperinflation. But if it, it only happens once in a year, like you lost... 20 to 30 percent of your currency and only happened once that year. It's not a big deal, uh, but to me, a hyperinflation event is a 50 percent reduction in 30 days. Yeah, we um, in the West we appreciate that the uh, you know money in our bank today will be there tomorrow. But um, and this is why Bitcoin appreciated in developing countries, for lack of a better term, because they didn't have that financial security. Um, are you seeing that now where? People are turning to Bitcoin because of its unconfiscatable asset value as, as an asset class, like gold was in the in the 20s before um, FDR shut down gold for private ownership. Or is that still not something that people grasp yet in the Western world that hang on your financial structure is could be at risk? And governments, as you just said, are being pretty irresponsible with the supply and demand of, of money itself. Not yet. The unconfiscatability feature uh, is not uh, what's driving Bitcoin right now. It is the, uh, and it's not the censorship resistant value transfer. What is driving Bitcoin right now and what has mostly been driving Bitcoin up to this point has been its store of value property. Uh, so what continues to drive Bitcoin right now is what I consider its third most important uh, feature. And that feature is uh, store of value. That wasn't what initially drove it, by the way. Uh, the first element that drove Bitcoin's value was my second most important feature, which is uh, uncensorability, censorship-resistant value transfer. Uh, it was used for Silk Road. It was used to fund WikiLeaks. Uh, Bitcoin was used for these things. That's, that was the initial driver of Bitcoin. 
the fact that you could spend it anywhere and it was cheap and it was fast and people thought that it was anonymous. Uh, now we know it's not, or we knew that for a, a while now. But uh, that was the initial driver of Bitcoin, which to me is its second most important feature. Uh, lately, over the last several years, it's been its store of value, its gold features, its finite supply. Uh, and that is why MicroStrategies is in, and that's why Square is in, and that's why a lot of uh, millionaires and rich people are buying it as a store of value. However, Bitcoin's most important feature, hands down by far, is unconfiscatability. And I love the fact that I own the domain. And uh, I think that's going to be a very valuable domain waiting for the word to be added to the dictionary. Because none of this shit matters if Bitcoin can be taken from you. If Bitcoin can be confiscated from you, the fact that you can send it in a censorship-resistant way, the fact that it's a store of value, it's all irrelevant. If someone can just take it, if someone can take the money from your bank account, it doesn't matter how scarce that money is. It doesn't matter what abilities you had to send it to anyone. If your account can be frozen, there are, those features are irrelevant. So unconfiscatability is its absolutely biggest feature. And guys, uh, and I would love to speak to Michael Saylor more about this and same thing with Raul Paul, uh, because I'm not sure they see the importance of unconfiscatability. And that's because in their life, they've never had to flee a country that limits them to $100 they can take with them. When my family left Soviet Russia, it didn't matter how much money you had in the bank. You were allowed to take $100, $100 worth of Russian rubles with you when you surrender your passport per family member. So it makes it a little tricky to move to another country as a family with only a few hundred dollars in your pocket because your country is preventing you from taking it. And they had full control of the money. They check you at the airport. How are you going to hide it? Uh, your bank account. So this unconfiscatability feature, people have no idea how important it is until you got to take everything you own, somehow store it in your head and get the hell out of Dodge. And that is why uh, that will be its most important feature. And what we're seeing right now, again, between COVID and these, like, like if the United States can't have an honest election, what chance does the world have for an honest election? I mean, this could create uh, like a domino effect in any country that, hey, how are our elections going on? And uh, it's, I mean, look, 90% of the time, it doesn't, elections don't matter. 90, right? 99% of the time, elections don't matter, you know, because like, it doesn't matter who wins. But this time it mattered because Trump's not a politician. So both sides wanted to get him out. And it's out of control. 
Yeah, I really like the um, point of unconfiscatable, and I'm just waiting for the day when on your income, um, sorry, your incoming passenger cards on a plane, they're actually going to add to. Do you have ten thousand dollars in cash or cryptocurrencies? Which, which is an insane question because how do I have cryptocurrencies in my head, right? <laughs> like I don't actually have it now. They can they can check and they can see if I have a hardware device like a ledger or a trezor. But technically, they're not in the device. Bitcoin is in the blockchain. It's on the internet, right? It's like they're asking me, uh, do you have a cell phone connection? And it's like, it's out there. Well, like I, I, the Bitcoin is not in the device. The Bitcoin is not in the cell phone. Um, so when they ask, uh, do you have $10,000 worth of Bitcoin? But how is that different than a, than a bank app? with access to my money that has more than $10,000 in a bank account. It's just access to something in, I don't want to say cloud because a cloud is someone else's computer, uh, but uh, it's on the blockchain, it's decentralized. And the thing is, the sooner the world embraces Bitcoin, the better the world will be. And let's just say a lot of people are gonna spend the rest of their life in prison trying to make the world better by having Bitcoin be accepted by the world. Yeah, that's a good, that's a great point. I mean, the fact that you have plausible deniability for someone to actually say, do you have Bitcoin? No, I don't. Okay, prove that you don't have it. Um, that's, that, that's an amazing feature. And Faris and I were just talking about today how pretty much every single podcast we talk about um, people leaving their Bitcoins on exchanges well, you're renting your Bitcoin. What's the point of just leaving it there? Get it into your wallet, whatever that is, multi-sig, hardware wallet or whatever. Get it off the exchange and you have full custody. There ain't nothing anyone can do it. And I, I, I almost laugh out loud whenever I travel and I see what Ferris was talking about, the $10,000 US. Are you traveling with this amount of money? It's like, you know, I, it could be zero, it could be a million. No one can prove otherwise. So uh, that's an amazing feature, yeah. Well, Faris, uh, I reckon you have one more question in you before we let Tone go. So, Tone, um, what do you think is Bitcoin's weakness today? What can't Bitcoin do? So, Bitcoin can, well, can do everything, but uh, Bitcoin, what can't it do? So, everything Bitcoin is supposed to do, it does. And I think it does it pretty well and it's going to get better. Um, I don't think the weakness is with Bitcoin, the technology. Uh, the weakness is an ed educational. Uh, the biggest weakness Bitcoin has education. I wrote an article. The second post I've ever done in my life, second or third, was back in 2014. And I titled it the question, uh, what's the biggest threat for Bitcoin? And I, in 2014, I said misinformation. Uh, that's the biggest threat. That's always been the biggest threat. This was before, you know, Bcash and fake Bitcoins and all this stuff and the scaling wars. It was always misinformation. Uh, right now, I think uh, the biggest threat, which is long term. Uh, look, the government does try to threaten Bitcoin in every way, shape or form, mostly with AML KYC laws, which I think that uh, not only the government. So uh, earlier when we talked about what's going to cause hyperinflation of the U.S. dollar. And 
the election controversy is the trigger, but the actual perpetual catalyst that's going to destroy the U.S. dollar as a world reserve currency is the AML KYC laws. Because the AML KYC laws is what gives Bitcoin's censorship resistance property its value. So again, we talked about the three properties of Bitcoin, finite supply, government prints money that favors Bitcoin, censorship resistant value transfer. The government can compete. The US government can easily compete and crush Bitcoin in censorship resistant value transfer. All they have to do is eliminate AML KYC laws and allow people to use their money however they like. If the government, uh, as they write, as they should by the constitution, gives people, gives people rights uh, to their money, like their property, then all of a sudden, Bitcoin cannot compete on censorship-resistant value transfer. Uh, and by them doing the opposite, uh, they are killing it. And also on confiscatability. If the government stopped freezing people's bank accounts, uh, they can compete on unconfiscatability, but they will always have the ability to freeze. Uh, uh, because Bitcoin can't freeze your account because it's decentralized. Um, so I'm sorry, I kind of swayed away. What was the actual question? No, what can't Bitcoin fix at the moment? What oh, can't okay. it do? Okay. Yeah. Here's my concern, right? Um, you mentioned the early, the turn of the century where the government was able to confiscate gold and take us off the gold standard. So that is a future concern. Uh, the more people trust in government third-party entities, uh, and by government third-party entities, I mean uh, holding your Bitcoin with a financially regulated institution like uh, Grayscale with GBTC, like Fidelity, like a Coinbase. These are fully government-controlled, like banks. And in 1933, when FDR confiscated gold, he didn't confiscate gold from the people. The people were holding all of their gold with the banks. And the banks, uh, he was able to confiscate, uh, what, 80% of U.S. Uh, private gold in one day because they just told the banks the gold is ours. So my concern is if the majority of Bitcoin is held by government-controlled and regulated institutions, uh, in 20, 30 years, with a single phone call, in one day, the government could be in control of 50% of all the Bitcoin. And that's a concern. Yeah, it's a really good point. Um, yeah, it's something we actually would like to follow up on in, um, in more detail, but I know you've got to get going, Tone. Um, we really do appreciate your time. And just a personal shout out for me and Gordon. I mean, we've been following you since you had less than 3,000 followers on Twitter, and you are an excellent educator. And you're, you're a key reason as to why me and Gordon decided to essentially put our own uh, skin in the game and launch this um, Bitcoin educator service. So um, thank you for all your hard work these last um, five, six years. Now you've been in Bitcoin educa educational consultant, haven't yeah. you? Uh, so yep. from us personally, it's been very inspirational. And uh, I know Coin Compass and Bitcoin Basics podcast would not be here without you. Awesome. Thanks. It was uh, great meeting you guys uh, in Chiang Mai. And uh, maybe we'll do it again one day if the world ever lets me travel anywhere. <laughs> 
And last but not least, Tone, uh, exactly what Farah said. Do you want to plug yourself, ToneVase.com, any, any Sure, ToneVase.com, ToneVase YouTube channel, uh, ToneVase on Twitter, uh, Instagram, though I'm not as active there. And uh, just support, support by watching the video, support by spreading information. I do have some educational uh, on-demand videos for purchase on ToneVase.com. Uh, if you are looking to be a trader, there's also a free section on learning how to trade on my website as well. So uh, check it out and learn about Bitcoin. Understand why you're purchasing it and uh, what makes it so powerful. And if you want to be a power user of Bitcoin, start reading about how to run your own node. That's what gives Bitcoin its power. Absolutely. Couldn't say it better myself. Oh, wait. I also have conferences. Forgot about those <laughs> because you can't travel right now. But we have Unconfiscatable Conference. Speaking of Unconfiscatable, it uh, takes place in Las Vegas. We're currently thinking April. Uh, let's hope uh, tickets would go on sale after America knows who its president is. Uh, come January, uh, we'll try to put tickets on sale. We have Understanding Bitcoin Conference in Malta, which will probably take place in September. And for you traders out there and hedge funds, we have the Financial Summit in beautiful Bali, and that takes place in November. Not to mention your green two above a green one t-shirt. <laughs> yes. All right, thanks, Tone. We really appreciate your time. Thank you. Thank you very much, Tone. Thanks for watching or listening. Please visit coincompass.com free to register to our socials and discover other free content. Subscribing, liking, and following helps this content remain ad-free. Until next time.